Thank you, and once again, good morning to students and teachers of the Word of God. In this series of studies, which will continue in the 34 broadcasts, we are dealing with the matters of Christology, properly the study of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In our first lesson, we talked about the prophetic material that deals with his coming, and our last broadcast, we talked about the virgin birth. We will continue our study today on this very important matter, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to make one or two announcements, which I have not made before, but I shall make at this time, in regards to some of this material. I realize that some of you people realize the material in these broadcasts is quite controversial due to the fact that truth is always controversial. I realize, too, the fact these days that people want to be taken up with any kind of controversy except the controversy that deals with absolute truth. Therefore, some of you may want uh, records of these uh, broadcasts in order to prove things and not prove things. And so we have made available for the Bible believer a copy of each one of these broadcasts. You'd like to write for it. I do not know what the price listing on it is, but these broadcasts are reduplicated in Pensacola, Florida, at the Bible Baptist Bookstore. Their uh, post office box is box uh, 7135. Box 7135. And in box 7135, Pensacola, Florida, you can obtain copies of these broadcasts. They also have available about 2,000 hours of Bible teaching and sermonic material on cassette, and then, of course, about 17 books which, you, which we've had published, some of these books running six and 700 pages, uh, a couple of them running 800 pages. And these books are called the Bible Believer's Commentary Series, and they constitute the only Bible commentary published in the world today that goes by the King James text without correcting it. Many of you Bible teachers and pastors and evangelists would uh, like to get a hold of a set of Bible commentaries that deal with the, all the scholarly and exegetical matters of critical commenting without correcting the King James text. And we have available for the Bible believer these commentaries. Uh, available are the commentaries in the book of Acts, the commentary on Exodus, the commentary on Job, the commentary on Genesis, the commentary on Revelation, the commentary on Matthew, the commentary on Proverbs, these books average 650 pages apiece, and they deal with a word-by-word, verse-by-verse comment on the books of the Bible, uh, going to all the exegetical and critical material found in Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, Dumelow, Williams, the New English Commentary, the Interpreter's Bible, the International Bible Standard Encyclopedia, and 20 other commentaries, including uh, Adam Clark and Matthew Henry and the Standard Works. The uniqueness of this series of commentaries lies in the fact that in teaching the Bible believer the Bible word by word and verse by verse, not once is the King James text ever altered to teach a lie or to reinforce the truth. After all, the dirtiest work done in this age has been done by Christian scholars who graduated from Christian schools who have tried to change the Bible in order to make it back up some truth they found somewhere else in the Bible. Our approach to the Word of God is leave it as it stands. Our approach is the Bible says what it means, means what it says in the context in which it appears, and that a, a text without a context is a pretext. So we deal in these commentaries with the books of the Bible, verse by verse and word by word, as though the Bible were true and let God be true and every man a liar. You can obtain the commentaries and the price list on the cassettes and tapes by writing to the Bible Baptist Bookstore, the Bible Baptist Bookstore, Box 7135, Box 7135, Pensacola, Florida. 
Now, on this broadcast, we are continuing our study of the importance of the doctrine of the virgin birth. What we call the modernist and liberal have attacked this doctrine today as they attack the doctrines of the total depravity of man, the deity of Christ, and the inspiration of the Scriptures. The word liberal is a misnomer. A liberal is supposed to be a man who is generous. But a man who is generous with his convictions about the Bible is not a liberal. He's what the dictionary calls an apostate. And these people, of course, deny the virgin birth of Christ, and yet being somewhat hypocritical, they insist upon holding to the teachings of Christ, a rather stupid position when one analyzes it analytically. If you examine the position why any man would think that Jesus Christ was a reliable teacher and at the same time a liar, it's certainly a greater mystery than the mystery of godliness, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. If man is to pray, then he needs a Savior to redeem him. That is, if the first three chapters in the Bible are right, then the last three are right. You can't have a heaven for saved people and a hell for unsaved people if nobody is unsaved. And you certainly can't have Jesus Christ talking about hell fire, which he talks about, if there isn't any, unless he's lying. One must never forget that the liberal person can always be spotted by their constant reference to what they naively call hell fire and damnation preaching. Uh, the term hell fire is a term of Jesus Christ. The term damnation is a term of Jesus Christ. And both terms originate from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 23, it is Jesus Christ who says, You shall receive the greater damnation. And in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, it is Jesus Christ who says, Hell fire. That is, the man who rejects hell fire and damnation is the man who rejects the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not accept his preaching while rejecting him or accept him while rejecting his preaching. If you're going to reject his preaching, you've rejected him and call him a liar. Now, I know this is a very hard thing to say to some of you religious modernists and religious liberals who think you're smart enough to change the Word of God, but believe me, we have the same feelings about you you have for the Word of God. <clears throat> when it comes to respect for your education degrees, believe me, sir, we have absolutely none. And the day that you begin to show respect for the Bible, and the day that you begin to show respect for the Word of God, is the day you can expect some respect for us for your degrees. In the meantime, don't bother us. We're very busy. Jesus Christ is the only possible Savior of the world because he is the only Savior who professes, and of course he's either lying or telling the truth, to be able to hold God in one hand and you in the other. There's no chance that Buddha held God's hand in his hand because his hand was the hand of a sinful man, a sinner, born in sin, dead in sin, trespasses in sin. There's no chance that Leo Tsai or Mao Tsai could have done the job. These men could certainly put their feet of clay in dust and contact you, but they couldn't put their hands in God's hand in the clouds and contact him. After all, they were sinners just like you. Back in the Old Testament one time, there was a man named Jacob, and Jacob had a dream. And in Jacob's dream, he dreamt that he saw a ladder, and this ladder was uh, upon the earth, and the top of it, the Bible said, reached unto heaven. Now, this ladder is plainly a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, because when Jesus Christ shows up in the book of John, he says to his disciples, you're going to see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And those of you who read Genesis 28 know that when Jacob dreamt about his ladder, he saw angels ascending and descending on that ladder. Now, that ladder is a very apt picture of Jesus Christ. For that ladder had its uh, bottom, the bottom of the ladder, the foot of the ladder, was on the ground in the earth. And the top of it, 
quote, reached unto heaven. That latter is given as a picture of Jesus Christ because the Lord Jesus Christ is the only mediator who can stand on this earth with feet of clay as the Son of Man, born of a woman, as a human being, and at the same time put his hand into the hand of God the Father, the Almighty, in glory, and get the two of you together. That's why the Bible says there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Now, all of the mediators or go-betweens have a glaring fault, and their glaring fault is the fact that although they can stand on feet of clay, in the clay and dust, from whence man came, they cannot fulfill the second part. They cannot reach up with that sinful hand of clay and grasp the sinless hand of God Almighty. So the importance of the doctrine of the virgin birth is very important, for it shows the only way that Jesus could become a man without a sin nature was by a virgin birth. Salvation is closely linked with this doctrine. For if Jesus was not born of a virgin, then you are a lost sinner still, and so am I, and nobody I'm talking to can be saved from anything. <clears throat> After all, my friend, let's just look at it factually. I mean, nothing like a good scientific approach to moral matters, is there? It's strange how objective and scientific some of you birds get in dealing with matters of atoms and protons and neutrons and nucleuses and plus nuclei, excuse me, and plus and minus charges, and yet how haphazard you get in dealing with moral standards. If Jesus Christ had a father like you have, he was a sinner like you are, and if he died like you died and was buried like you're going to be buried, do you know how he's going to come up? He's not coming up. You don't come up. You stay down. It is undeniable truth. The virgin birth is taught in the Bible. We accept the inspiration of the Scriptures and believe this teaching is absolutely so. It is an unchangeable truth. The doctrine of the virgin birth stands with the Scriptures and does not change with the changing times, thoughts, and theories of mankind. God is immutable. He won't change in these matters. I don't care what science does or does not do. The virgin birth is a doctrine that's taught in the Word of God that does not change with the discoveries or non-discoveries of man. It is an urgent truth. The doctrine is essential to the plan of salvation. Without a virgin-born Savior, the salvation of one soul is utterly impossible. It is undiscernible truth. It is a mystery hidden in God. You can't explain it. There is a sense, however, in which all life and birth is a mystery. I mean, how can a tree put life into its seed? People talk about these things and say, well, you have to accept that doctrine by faith. Land sakes, child... If you, had a doc, if you had a dollar for everything in life you have to accept by faith, you could pay off your car. Now, why you should think one mystery in the Bible, the virgin birth, because it's unexplainable from a rationalistic standpoint scientifically, is to be rejected, is beyond me. What about the other ones? You reject the law of gravity and the law of magnetism? You say, of course not. They can be demonstrated. So can the virgin birth. 500 eyewitnesses saw him and committed their testimony to writing, and the laws of jurisprudence in the United States, when speaking about the credibility of a witness, say that the eyewitness testimony has been reduced to writing, and no conclusive evidence has been produced since that time, that evidence cannot be disannulled. 
You say you can prove the law of magnetism, the law of gravity. Well, you can prove the overthrow by taking a plane off the ground that defies the law of gravity. Or you can disprove by the fact that when you get down the nucleus of an atom, you find that charges are not acting like they ought to as far as plus and minus charges go. Now, you see how folks are? They're the great ones to talk about laws and scientific objectivity and logical positivism and empirical scientificism as long as they're dealing with stuff that doesn't deal with their depravity. But once you begin to talk about sin and sinful natures, it's amazing how bananas some folks get. Tell me something. How do you explain erratic boulders? Glaciers don't pick up rocks that weigh 70 tons. They go over them. How do you explain a glacial cap climbing up Mount McKinley when glaciers never begin at altitudes less than 6,000 feet? How do you explain polystrate fossils? Uh How do you explain a tree found intact in four different layers if the layers were laid down through periods of millions of years? Mm -hmm. How do you explain incised meanders? Why, listen, friend, if you think the only mysteries on this earth are the virgin birth of Christ and the day of Christ, you ain't had much book learning, son. How do you explain the polar caps? You say they froze. What? 5,000 feet deep in salt water? Well, for some of you Yankees live, you put salt on the streets to get the ice off the streets. And you're telling me that rain comes down and freezes 5,000 feet deep in salt water? <laughs> oh, no, not today, friend, some other day. You see, when you begin to talk about the Bible mysteries, these scientific idiots always pop up and say, well, if you can't prove it by provable phenomena, it's meaningless. Let's see you prove Darwin's theory by provable phenomena. I've been out to the Paluxy Riverbed in Glen Rose, Texas, and I have seen a dinosaur's prints and a man's footprints in the same strata. And I've got photographs of them documented by a geologist. Don't tell me you can't read the Bible just because you can't explain the virgin birth. Don't give me that gas, son. You can't explain lowest deposits. Did you ever try to explain that? How do you explain ossiferous fissures? Give us something, doctor. How do you explain cracks in the Earth's surface always found at high elevations, where when they dig in them, they find bones of animals and men piled in together, and bones of animals that don't live together, and bones of animals that are predatory and prey on each other? How they all get in the same grave? You see, educated people... Uh, as a class of people, I know there are exceptions, and I'm not making a blanket condemnation, but educated people have a remarkable display of hypocrisy when it comes to biblical fact. The virgin birth is an unconditional truth. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says you're to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and if you had a human father, he's not Lord, he's not Savior. Emmanuel means God with us, and that's not true if God didn't pay a visit down here. All this stuff about the child of God, the gods, and all this business about God rides a flying saucer, and all this stuff, when you consider it, is nonsense. What would be the purpose of coming down to you and trying to find out where your electricity and water is, and blasting off a few rays and frying the ground if you were God? 
What would be the point in that, stupid? If you were God, wouldn't you be primarily interested in solving man's problem? What is man's problem? Dying. Sin. The wage of sin is death. Why, a God that would come down here and waste your time buzzing around the flying saucer and shooting off rays wouldn't be worth giving the time of day to. Who ever heard of such a waste of time? Up and down in the Bermuda Triangle and going in and out and shooting off rays and bumping into transport planes. What a bunch of nonsense. Why, listen, that might be something, but God, Emmanuel, God with us, are you crazy? Why, if there's a God up there, he should be concerned about man's predicament as a sinner on his way to the grave, unable to have fellowship with God, unable to have eternal life. That should be the occupation of God. <clears throat> Man should be, uh, God should be preoccupied with the pitiful condition of his lost creation. And God is and was. The God of the Bible is not some astronaut in a flying saucer. He's God. And he was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God manifests in the flesh to take away our sins. Paul said this is a faithful saying and one of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Not to contact the United Nations and talk to you about life on Venus, stupid. <laughs> Christ Jesus didn't come into this world to find your electrical supply and put a blackout over your town by loading up his saucer so he could go back under the water with the Zeros and the Demiurges and the Lemurians. Come on, son, get with it. There are certainly more important matters than some nut getting to Venus or Mars and bringing back some dirt for you to look at to see for what you've got enough amino acids to make a monkey out of. I mean, come on, kid, get out of the kindergarten. While you're getting to Venus, you're dying. While you're getting to Mars, you're dying. While you're going to the moon, you're dying. While you're fooling with the enzymes and amino acids, you're dying. The problem is death. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God shall not life, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abide upon him. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. That's the problem. <clears throat> and if there have been flying saucers here before, and they probably have, and if there have been uh, something from outer space, and there probably have been, and things from under the ground, and undoubtedly there are, buzzing around, it wouldn't be worth you to give them a time of day. For after all, they don't know what the problem is and couldn't solve the problem anyway if they knew what it was. Jesus Christ was not a phantom. <clears throat> he was a real human being, truly man, bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. In Philippians 2, 7, he became our elder brother. Jesus Christ was also God manifest in the flesh and remained God because of the Holy Ghost conception. Jesus Christ was sinless because he was virgin-born without inheriting a fallen, sinful, corrupt human nature. That is, he was without what the theologians call original sin. Now, there are objections to the doctrine. Some people say, well, it's only found a few places in the Scripture. Well, after all, one Scripture is sufficient, but the Scripture is confirmed by Isaiah, Matthew, and Luke, three writers, not one. 
Some people object to the doctrine of the virgin birth and say Jesus did not personally claim to be virgin-born. Yeah, but it is strongly inferred from John chapter 6, verse 51. Scientists do not accept the virgin birth, for they say it is not biologically true. Jesus did not come by natural conception, but by a miracle conception according to the Word of God. The fact that a scientist is not accepted because it is not biologically true is neither here nor there. The Bible warned you to beware of science, falsely so-called. The Bible told you the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men, and the Bible told you plainly that God took the wise and their own craftiness, and the Lord know the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, if 150,000 scientists said it wasn't true because it wasn't biologically true, it would mean absolutely nothing. After all, the natural man receiveth not the thing of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. Other people reject the account of the virgin birth because it was miraculous. But then after all, all life is a miracle, wonderful and mysterious. You people that think it couldn't be accepted because it's a miracle, how do you explain your own life? You say, well, biologically, I didn't ask you that. You have to believe in the eternity of matter to believe that your life is not a miracle. In order to try to say that everything is explainable and everything is rational, everything is phenomenally true that can be explained, you have to believe in the eternity of matter. You have to believe in the beginning. There was no beginning. Now, you sit here before the radio today and tell me that you came from the seat of your father, from the seat of his father, from his father, from his father, who was related to the Lemurians, do you? Or was it the Lemurs? Or was it the Tarsioids? Or was it the great apes? Or the hominoid apes, honey? What was it? And when you came there, up there some way, once you were a tadpole and you began to begin, and then you were a frog with your tail tucked in, and next you were a monk in a banyan tree, and now you're a doctor with a Ph.D. Now, you to tell me that you believe in that cock and bull story and don't believe in the virgin birth? Do you mean to tell me that this earth came from a solar system, which came from a nebula, that came from a star cluster, that came from a dust cloud, that came from a what? You say, well, from gaseous matter. Yes, which came from what? You say it was just always there. Oh, come on. You trying to tell me your, your mind can grasp that? I don't believe you. I don't think for a minute your mind can grasp an eternal, infinite, gaseous material that had no source and no beginning. I don't think you believe that. I think if you believe it, you couldn't prove it. Now, who are you to talk about biology and the virgin birth of Jesus Christ? You know, some of us have trusted him as our Savior. And we know he's God because nobody can do for us what Jesus Christ did unless he was God. We know Jesus Christ was God because only God could do for us what Jesus Christ did. We know experimentally that he was not an ordinary human being. We know it by scientific empiricism, which you deny because of your biological studies. You can object to doctrine all you want to, but not on rational grounds. Rationally, you can't explain your own beginning let alone the beginning of Jesus Christ. There's nobody that can find out how that great leap or great surge suddenly occurred between an ape and a man that made him suddenly start building fires. I'd like to see you train any ape or monkey to cook over a fire or get close enough to warm his hands by it. You see, you people, some of you profess to be educated just because you've had 20 years of college. You don't think too clearly. And if you thought clearly, you'd know that something's wrong with your thinking. 
You talk about the eternity of matter. How can you conceive such a thing? And if there was, don't you know that the second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy, would dictate that all the universe would have fallen to pieces by now by disintegration if it had been here forever? If the universe had been here for 50 billion years, my friend, it would have fallen apart at least 20 billion years ago. The law of entropy teaches that simple, simple forms never produce a complex and never result or build up into a complex, but disintegrate into simpler forms. The law of the universe is the sun is burning out, not burning up. The earth is cooling off, not getting warmer. The moon is dying, not growing. Your car is headed for the junk heap, not for the new car lot. The law of life and nature teaches that nothing evolves. It develops and then degenerates. When I say that, I mean anything you just thought of or anything you read in any encyclopedia, Britannica or Americana. And you are the one talking about the biological problem in the virgin birth, are you? Aren't you something? You're the one that rejects the miracles in the Bible because you can't explain them? Aren't you something? Modern theologians do not accept the doctrine of the virgin birth. That doesn't alter the fact that it is true, for it is taught in the Holy Scripture, it's taught in prophecy, it was fulfilled in history, and that isn't all. It is found to be true by the regenerated sinner who becomes a child of God by receiving the child that God begat. And like a man said, though Christ be born in Bethlehem a million times, if he be not born in thee, thy soul is still forlorn. Do you want to prove empirically the virgin birth of Jesus Christ? I can tell you how to do it. Get on your knees and ask Buddha to save you and wash in his blood and make you a new creature and get up and see if anything happens. Then get on your knees and ask Muhammad to save you and regenerate you and make you a child of God and get up off your knees and see if anything happens. Then get down and call upon any ideology, any religion, any belief, any TM, any transcendental foolishness you were ever taught and see if when you get up you have two natures one that loves the truth and one that doesn't, that one nature is born again and comprehends Christ and believes the miracle of the Bible and believes in God, and that nature desires nothing more than win other people to him. And if you don't, get down your knees and call upon the everlasting name of the Lord God Almighty, the name that is above every name, the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save your soul and wash you in the blood and make you a new creature and regenerate you by his Holy Spirit and then get up and see what happens. After all, there's nothing like testing my hypothesis, is there, doctor? May the Lord bless you and good day.